and a high of 40. Saturday, it'll be mostly sunny, but a high of 38. Sunday, all the way up to 51 with clouds in the sky. In Madison, it's 56 degrees. In Green Bay, it's 54 degrees. In Waukesha, 55 degrees with clouds. Right here in Milwaukee, 54 degrees and mostly cloudy. I'm Jack Grau, Citing Unlimited WTMJ News Time, 606. Your need-to-know cultural snapshot of Wisconsin and beyond. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. A deep dive into all things intriguing, riveting, and entertaining. Now, here's your host, Sandy Max. Good evening. It is Wednesday, February 21st. So glad you're here with me. If you just heard me, I just filled in with John McCure on Wisconsin's Afternoon News, which is fun to return. And I'll be back on with John again tomorrow afternoon and back tomorrow evening with another episode of What's on Tap. But for tonight's What's on Tap, I am excited to share some fun stories with you. Uh, Our new show, The Upswing, with Jeff Sherman, is on, and he interviewed... Milwaukee Art Museum's Chief Experience Officer, Scott Schwabel. I just think that's a great job title. So what does it mean to be the Chief Experience Officer at one of our most beautiful landmarks on the lake, dedicated to art and creativity? We will find that out tonight. Uh, Believe it or not, there's an Airbnb in our fine city that is $12,000 a night. Where is it? And... uh, why I will share that with you. Also, Green Bay Packers fan Hall of Fame has a new member, Bogey of Sheboygan, and our friends at Wisconsin's Midday News, Jessica Ty and Greg Matzik, got a chance to chat with Bogey about uh, how you get such an honor. And you want to talk about the mix of culture and creativity. I think winning. That esteemed spot in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame, uh, I think that combines both Wisconsin culture and a level of dedication and creativity like no other. So we'll hear from Bogey in Sheboygan later in the show. And the song you should hear, you know, I've been using Black History Month as a great reason to revisit some impressive musical legends. And tonight is the day that uh, a wonderful woman and also civil rights activist uh, would have uh, celebrated her birthday today and a uh, smooth, cool song from her will wrap up tonight's show. Uh, And speaking of Black History Month, I'm excited to share with you, if you didn't hear the conversation earlier, Milwaukeean of the Year, Symphony Swan. She was just received that honor from Shepherd Express uh, and I think it's Really deserving and really exciting because she's doing some great creative work here in Milwaukee. You can catch up on the Wisconsin's Afternoon News podcast to hear that conversation with Symphony. She is an artist who focuses on the theme of family and creating spaces to tell the stories of family and what it means, obviously, in the connection, what it means to your own identity, but also what it means as far as a a legacy. What do you get from your parents? What do you want to carry on from your parents? Because she just uh, has uh, had a tough past couple of years in losing both her mom and her dad, so been processing that grief, but also really realizing how powerful legacy, what your life meant, what's it been worth, and what are people going to remember about you. That's a really powerful theme. So Symphony Swan has been exploring that, and she's also a mom. So how does that adjust her lens and filter for approaching creativity, but heck, 
also life. So I think you'll enjoy that conversation. And I'm going to keep an eye on her nonprofit called Blank Space MKE. She started it with her best friend and it is a creative space. And I, I just feel like I'm going to invite her back to find out more about what Symphony Swan is doing and how the role of Milwaukeean of the year will hopefully uh, impact and help her reach even more people. But Symphony Swan, a name you should know, she is the 2024 Milwaukee, 2023 Milwaukeean of the Year, named in 2024 by the Shepherd Express. And when you talk about job titles, Chief Experience Officer at Milwaukee Art Museum, sounds like a very interesting role. What is it? We'll find out next on What's on Tap. I am Sandy Max. Welcome to What's on Tap. 613 right now at WTMJ and excited about our new lineup because it's even more teammates to tell even more stories. And one of our new shows is called The Upswing with Jeff Sherman, a local businessman who really is bringing in some interesting people to chat with. And uh, The Upswing is on weekdays from 10 to 11. And today, Jeff had a conversation with the Milwaukee Art Museum's Chief Experience Officer. His name is Scott Schwabel. And I remember when Scott Schwabel got this job, I want to say might have been three or four months ago, but just the title itself, I'm like, that I am very curious about. What is a Chief Experience Officer? So we get to find out. And uh, this is Scott Schwabel sharing some of his story with Jeff Sherman today on WTMJ. My role is new for the Art Museum, much like what you have talked about uh, institutions realizing that there needs to be a greater connection between sort of traditional demand side, which is like marketing function. And then once, right. for lack of a better term, once people are in the doors on premises and building a tighter intersection between those, those two sort of forms of experience. So one, you know, building awareness two, but creating understanding for me as a longtime brand marketing person is right. how do you build preference and how do you build sort of more of an emotional connection to institutions or brands. So for me, the creation of this role, which I give the art museum great credit for, realizing that it's it's also, it's an emerging um, role in museums as well. Museums are sort of ripe for reimagination and bringing sort of uh, modern thinking, how you build conversational value for a brand. And more importantly, like how do you build things that allow just sort of greater points of access to share and celebrate? For me, uh, you know, uh, the idea of my role at the museum is doing that. It's helping, it's helping elevate. There's a ton of great work that's art. I mean, my goodness, right. that place is loaded with talented, smart, uh, individuals. But for me, it's what, what do you do in addition? Um, yeah. to that. And yeah, you're coming into a pretty amazing institution that already is full of exhibits and life and a wonderful team. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, like anything, it has to continue to evolve mm-hmm. and to innovate. And you know, I like to use the NBA All-Star Game as an example. Like, the All-Star Game has a lot going on. The game is almost a side dish, but you had the floor this year, which crazy was cool, amazingly right? yeah, cool. Crazy cool. Which will probably be implemented, I'm guessing, into all floors Eventually. down the road. Yep. But that might be the only thing that people connect to. Mm-hmm. Right? So the art museum has to continue to look for those type of examples. So as you're getting ready to dive into this new role, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Did you take five months and go to other art museums across the country? You know, it's a, a great question. So fortunately for me, I mean... 
one art has always been a part of who I am. You know, I've been a creative soul in my entire existence. So as a result of that, museums have always kind of been on my personal radar. As I've as I've had the good fortune to travel, I've always hit art museums. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've loved them uh, as a sense of or a source of inspiration. So in many ways, a lot of the work I've done my entire career has sort of led up to this. Uh, opportunity i will tell you i walk in them and have done this uh, since since uh, hiring on i walk in with a sort of a new level of heightened awareness around uh, what's going on so yeah, yeah. you know my entire career has been about being curious about trying to one never be satisfied and always kind of seek to create continuous improvement frankly at the art museum i i look at everything i tell people you know you're gonna you're going to get to know me because i'm coming to get to know you and as a result, I, w- I want to figure out how we can bring all of that more forward, drive a consumer experience to me. Hospitality, you know, is in my background. It's also mm-hmm. a very important part. I think institutions uh, need to realize that hospitality is a very important and endearing part of the experience. So, so when you look at what the city and the county and the state are doing at our lakefront here in Milwaukee, there's a complete streets program that's a total revamp of East Michigan Street at the lakefront. The 44-story couture apartment tower that's growing and ready to open this spring. The city's creating new raised bike lanes separated from the cars by curbs. It's revamping the intersection of Michigan Street and Lincoln Memorial Drive, all right by the Milwaukee Art Museum. So, Scott, give us, give us your thoughts just as a signature icon on the lakefront what's coming and how it's going to continue to evolve and change. Well, first of all, all those things you just sort of um, repacked, like, how amazing common sense are, are don't they represent for, for for a city for the built environment like a way to make our cities pleasant but also you know the green spaces or public spaces allow you to sort of just slow down this moment of patience in your in your built environment like what just practical magic for a way to build sort of a city and great representations here in Milwaukee it was one thing when I also said when I came into Milwaukee Art Museum like here we are with this world class architecture that's not us saying it that's a recognizable thing on this outrageous piece of real estate the hard things are already naturally here our our direct adjacency to this wonderful lakefront the bones of our city you know the fact that we as an art museum enjoy sort of the the dot on the exclamation point of where all these things converge i've never ever had anybody come into the city who's never been here and not been like wow like how amazing is this place or i had no idea like you know those of us that have been here for a long time or are fans of the city like design you know in my previous life and in, in experience too like i've always believed first of all that creativity is a strategic point of difference in business design is a great differentiator in that strategic point of difference and when you have you know sometimes great business strategies is paying attention to what the obvious things are that you have and figuring out a way to reinvest or just continue to shine a light on those obvious things for me what a privilege to be at the art museum what an amazing time to be in the city as momentum's coming businesses are moving back downtown redevelopment is happening a more pedestrian sort of urban planning a lens is being put on our city and those are actually they're all the easy things so we don't have to invent the hard things that they anchor right. against he is the milwaukee art museum's chief experience officer and former drummer for the band the guffs scott schwabel chatted this morning on wtmj you can hear more conversations more highlights from this conversation on wtmj's the upswing with jeff sherman our new show including 
Schwabel's experience with Collectivo Coffee. And what's new about the Burke Breeze de Soleil wings? That's next on What's on Tap. This is What's on Tap with Sandy Max. So you've heard of a CEO, a CFO, a COO. How about a CXO? Chief Experience Officer. Well, Milwaukee's Art Museum has one. His name is Scott Schwabel, a very creative fella. I was just mentioning also a former drummer of the band The Guffs. And he is Milwaukee Art Museum's Chief Experience Officer. And he spent time today on WTMJ on The Upswing. New show with Jeff Sherman as your host uh, at 10 a.m. here on WTMJ. And I had been interested in inviting Scott on What's on Tap. So I'm very excited to be able to share part of this conversation with you because Scott has some interesting experience at local uh, companies here. And he also has some insight on some new things happening with the wings at the Art Museum. Here's part of that conversation from the upswing today with Scott Schwabel of Milwaukee Art Museum. What did you learn at your time at Colectivo Coffee in terms of building a brand and maybe how can you transfer some of that to your art museum experience? Well, you know, so when I was building the Colectivo brand, uh, you know, first of all, community was at the epicenter of what we were doing or what the focus or strategic vision was. Building a sense of, creating a sense of place, you know, creating a place that people, when they walked into or when they were immersed in maybe they couldn't articulate what it was but they could feel it mm-hmm. and for me that was always you know a big premise of what we were trying to do and lead there and it was about accessibility we were we were trying to create these places for all and places that became sort of so so entwined in people's like sense of attraction that they they just became easy for me that was once again creativity as a strategic point of difference when i think about the art museum it's about also taking these amazing assets that i have in front of me and figuring out new ways or clever ways to both enhance or lift or to to do that same thing and it's not just going to benefit us it's going to benefit the lakefront it shows us you know like nothing advertises your business better than people sitting on your front doorstep right and, and food and beverage is a big driver. Like, Huge obviously, driver. there's a cafe yeah. at the Milwaukee Art Correct. Museum now. Correct. Do you see that expanding in terms of like restaurant and dining offerings? Is that something you're looking at? Are people coming to you with ideas? I'm sure you're overflowing with ideas now, still new in the role. Yeah, we'll talk about the food and beverage a little bit. Yeah, we're smiling at each other uh, for those that can't uh, see us. Food and beverage is a huge component of this. It's 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 the it's the amenity of what you want to experience. Food has taken on an absolutely new level of interest and and passion um, in our culture so for me absolutely I'm looking I mean I sit on this one of the best patios one of the best you know um, uh, sort of lakefront amenities in the Midwest if not you know almost anywhere so paying attention to what and how we offer absolutely it's on my radar of things to continue to enhance or maybe even reinvent um, uh, once again just to drive the and around oh by the way world-class art collection Right. world-class lakefront yeah anything that enhances the experience and brings a little bit more flavor to it is a good thing for yeah, they're sure. simple delights that have huge power and huge value the new wings at the milwaukee art museum are now lit up can you tell us about that process scott and how you got to there Sure. So the uh, first of all, the Hone, what an amazing addition to our city skyline. For us, it was something very similar with the art museum. Yes, we've added light. So the building has been lit before, but it's been lit in sort of the very classic pristine white. But as we've seen skylines evolve and the ability to sort of participate in community engagement and evolve, 
the ability to sort of use color as as creating a message or celebration or point of view we want it to do that um, as well we're the most you know iconic building on 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 the skyline so why not be able to figure out a way to participate in that conversation to celebrate fun things if one of our sports teams you know has a great run or big big sort of community moments. Um, so we, we wanted to do that. The other thing that, um, and you'll notice now, which we debuted last week, the, the wings um, sort of had a, uh, they weren't open as much as I thought or we thought um, was better. is that now twice daily still? So the, so, the, so the wings still open and close. So they still do their flap is what it's right. called okay. at, at noon. And then they, they, will, they will move again the but the second flap mid-afternoon isn't happening. They'll now just move when they close. So now every day that we are open, the wings are going to be open until 10 p.m. at night. Okay. So that is a brand new sort of initiative um, since I've come in. And part that was motivated, one, we now have the ability to light these wings and have really fun color. Two, the wings were closing at 5 o'clock, which was missing a huge part of people being out on the move, or more importantly, the downtown sort of night experience. And so the wings, in their full majesty, open. They're amazing. I wanted more people to see them. We wanted more people to see them because it helps the conversational value of who we are. And, oh, by the way, that also helps sort of drive people to where to say, you know what, when was the last time I was there? Maybe I'm going to go to the art museum. Or, oh, how amazing is that photo showing the art museum lit up? In a way that, like, you know, for Valentine's Day, we were just lit in pink, yeah. you know, wonderfully socialized. People people driving home down Wisconsin Avenue at night, you know, you, you offer that Instagrammable moment, moment that is able to be shared. and Which is, is very important in yes. building brand. So is there is there a system or a regularity to when the lights will come on? And is there a remote? And, like, could I have it as I'm just <laughs> driving down and, like, turn them into a color that I want? There is a, <laughs> as you can imagine, a building that moves is, first of all, outrageous. Yes. Um, uh, secondly, the uh, how and when those uh, wings move are very meticulously managed. So in this, in the super secret security booth, there is a system that is designed. So in the wings can only open when temperatures are at a certain point or, or winds are at a certain level. So technically, yes, there's actually a remote okay. that can open them in a moment all right conditions appropriate okay and then as well as as change the colors so for for example right now the lights are designed to reflect uh the larry bell sculpture that's in wendover hall and there's three signature colors of the glass sculpture so right now the lights are reflecting that so hopefully you get a chance to see the wings okay. you know, once again weather weather dependent um on this outrageously amazing feature that is scott schwabel the Milwaukee Art Museum's chief experience officer, and he's describing this glass sculpture called Iceberg. It's like seven feet tall, these different panels that reflect the light in different ways. Stop in and see it, along with the colorful Chihuly sculpture in Windover Hall. And that space inside the art museum is always free to stand in and enjoy the inspiring view there. You can hear that full conversation on the Upswing podcast at WTMJ, one of our new shows here. And uh, you will meet one of the biggest Packers fans ever in the next half hour of What's on Tap. But right now, from the WTMJ Breaking News Center, here is Jack Grau. Good evening, Jack Grau, one of the biggest Bears fans ever. With Sammy Max is back on WTMJ. 
This monumental moment in black history is sponsored by Tayback Law, Educators Credit Union, Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, and American Family Insurance. The story of Cheyenne Valley, Wisconsin is a little known story, but it is one that epitomizes the greatness of our black history. In the 1800s, descendants of black farmers and former slaves became pioneers as they moved west towards La Crosse and settled in a small town which would come to be known as Cheyenne Valley. Cheyenne Valley became a safe haven for blacks and was very unique because unlike many other places across the U.S. at this time, integration and cooperation was already the fabric of the community. Due to the multiracial makeup of the town, African Americans were thriving as landowners, school leaders, and more. Cheyenne Valley would go on to become one of the largest rural African-American settlements in Wisconsin and the country. Today, a historical marker stands in the area to honor and commemorate the many African-American pioneers who settled the land in the 19th century. This monumental moment in black history is sponsored by Tayback Law, Educators Credit Union, Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin, and American Family Insurance. You've got it on WTMJ and What's On Tap. How you doing? I'm Sandy Max. And I used to live in Bayview, and I lived in a modest house there. Well, it turns out Bayview is the location of Wisconsin's most expensive Airbnb guest house. $12,000 per night if you want to stay at the Kin Guest House Bayview during the Republican National Convention in July. I think that's the caveat. $12,000 per night. The good news is basically you're getting an eight room boutique hotel completely to yourself for you and your friends. It just still sounds like a lot. So you want to divvy that up. That just kind of blew my mind. And it also reminded me of the very first episode of What's on Tap. I had the supreme joy of road tripping to Green Bay, just outside Lambeau Field. I went to an Airbnb that is completely Beatles themed Abbey Road. You even walk into like like uh, the Abbey Road crossing to get into the front door. In the bathroom is a red phone box that looks like you're in a phone box, but it looks like Paul McCartney is talking to you on the phone. It is so creative and so fun. And I did check if you want to stay there during the Republican National Convention. Uh, it is available and it's about 170 bucks a night for that themed experience. But, uh, so whatever your plans are, uh, maybe consider putting your house up for uh, rent on Airbnb if your uh, village or township's rules allow. Next, we're going to meet one of the biggest Green Bay Packers fans ever. Next on What's on Tap. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you came all Packered out, too. Not that I should be surprised here. You've got your Packers buttoned down. You came in with your Packers leather jacket on. Uh, Your lovely wife has a Packers uh, zip-up fleece on. You guys are all decked out here, right? You kind of have to be to earn this distinction. Any day of the year, you will see me have probably with something with Packers on. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so who got the ball rolling on this? Who actually nominated you? Uh, Jamie Yurk and Dean Klein and Amy Bueller. So it wasn't just one person. No. I love that. Yeah, there were two separate letters that were sent in, but the Packers only accepted one of them. Oh. And uh, so um, when they got together and they wrote the letter, um, I knew nothing about this at all. And when I got the email... I thought it was a scam, and I was about to just blow it away, and I had my wife come down and read it, and she started giggling and laughing. She said, it's true. I know all about it. I've been sworn to secrecy, and uh, it's for real. And then I, she read it to me, and I just broke down, and it really hit me hard that somebody took the time 
They write a letter to the Packers to have me be nominated for the Packer Fan Hall of Fame. And what did they say in those letters? What was the heart of why they said, you know what? There's nobody better. It's got to be bogey going to the Fan <laughs> Hall of Fame. Well, I, I escort Packer trips for 36 years, and I've taken up to 320 people on a trip quite a few times with me. And uh, there's been so many people over the years that have met each other on my trips that now are very close friends. And there's even some people that met on my trips that are married right now because they met on my trips. I've had um, somebody that got married on my trip without telling me they were getting married. And I've had um, people that celebrated their honeymoons on the trip. And and we had quite a few engagements um, that were proposed on my trips. So you're the guy responsible for the Packer bars around the country being out of Miller Lite? Is that, <laughs> That's you're exactly the guy, right. Right? That, that happens, right? <laughs> when we, any of the hotels that we end up going to, I talk to them ahead of time and tell them, you better have a lot of Miller Lite. And what they do, they <laughs> have man. some, and they run out within hours. And they swear, the next day we'll have more. And they bring an extra case. And yeah. then they're out again. And they just cannot believe how the people in Wisconsin drink their beer like water. (laughs) (laughs) We are known for that. Okay, Bogey, so take me to that moment. How and when did you find out that you won? I didn't know until there were 10 of us that were selected by the Packers out of the hundreds of letters that were submitted. And they picked 10. And then all 10 of us were on stage at Lambeau on Monday um, they're from all over the country. It's not just Wisconsin. And I had no clue. People had a vote the whole month of January. They said they had 83,000 votes that were sent in. That's a lot. And they won't let me know exactly how many I had, but it sounds like it was quite a few. And then 50% of that was the voting. The other 50% was done with the Packer organization, the pick who they felt was a fan, and I was lucky enough to get picked. Okay, you know what story is even better? I love that one. But when you found out you were a finalist, where were you oh, at that you moment? Dare. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in a bubble bath. <laughs> that can be very refreshing. <laughs> yes. I was checking my emails on my cell phone. When I saw it, I was totally shocked. It was right before Christmas, and I jumped out of that tub so fast, didn't even bother <laughs> grabbing a towel, and I'm running through the house looking for my wife. I found her. I gave her this big hug. She's all full of bubbles, and next thing <laughs> I told her to read this, and then we both broke down crying. That is amazing. So you, more than anybody, perhaps, looking forward to the unveiling of the Packers schedule for next year, because I'm sure you yes. have trips that you want to plan. Oh, yes. Have you wrapped your mind around the idea that the Packers could be playing in Brazil? Yes, I have. And even the Packers already asked me if I'm planning on going to that. I would definitely be planning on going to that. I took a group with me to London. Wait, they Brazil. asked you? They already asked did, did, me. Are you breaking news right now? The I'm Packers are news. opening no. next season <laughs> in Brazil? He said what you said. <laughs> If, would if they go? Would you go? Uh, I said, yes, I would. We might just run with that here. <laughs> no, I don't know. Sourced no. information, bogey. <laughs> Bogey's going overseas now. I love it. But that's incredible. Did you do London? Yes, I did. Okay, uh, it was cool. We flew in Paris. We spent some days in Paris first, and then we took the high speed rail over to London. We spent five days in London, and then we took um, a train over to Liverpool. Hmm. 
that was awesome. We spent three days there, then we went back to London for a day, then we went back to Paris for a day, and then we flew home. We were gone for 13 days. Amazing. I'll tell you, the stadium was awesome. The fans were out of this world. They were there. Every jersey in the NFL you saw at that game, because when they live over there, their teams don't come every year. So they wore their favorite jerseys, and then they pick one of the two teams that are playing. 99% of them there were, were cheering for the Packers. Yeah. And it was so cool to meeting people from all over the world, a lot of Germans. And it was really cool. We were surrounded by all these other jerseys, and the music was awesome. They had the fans going the whole game. Sad thing was the Packers didn't pull out a win. Yeah, just that. that uh, the, the way it yeah. ended, yeah. yeah. But otherwise, part. the whole experience was awesome. I've never been out of the country except Canada. So it was really cool. And I'm really hoping someday the Packers go to Germany with Bogenschutz being German, there I would you go. love to go to Germany, yeah. and I would Gross. love to be sure that I um, get to see the Packers there. So, so cool. What happens now? What's what's next for you? Well, I, my name will be going into the Packer Hall of Fame. It will be in there for life. I'm very, very happy about this. It's, uh, my mom and dad are not with me anymore, and I know they were looking down at that minute. Oh. And uh, my mom and dad were at the Ice Bowl game. They sat right by the end zone where the famous touchdown was, and my mom ended up getting frostbite toes from that game. Oh, oh, no. When my mom and dad passed away, the only thing I wanted in that house was the program book from the Ice Bowl game, and I have it. That's special. It's in mint shape, and it's something that I'm always going to cherish. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, that's the one thing is, is what my name going into the Hall of Fame. I'm, this is, I'm so excited about that that generations from now and my family will get to see my name in the hall of fame is this the first hall of fame that you're in and a part of yes it did even if it's the only one yeah that's this, this is, is a good one. one this is the one this is a good one dan bogey bogan shoots congratulations Thank and you. uh we'll be waiting that, that schedule should be out sometime uh, april may Probably end of april beginning of may there you go and uh then i will be Busy for days and, getting flights and hotels and sightseeing and game tickets. and That's awesome. Yeah. Your I'm second really job is a travel to. agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for making the trip down to, uh, from Sheboygan. Enjoy our, our fine market hall here. Grab some lunch and congrats on the honor. Thank you. Bogey from Sheboygan, your Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame inductee. What a fun guy. And I'm glad he did come in. If you want to share that conversation or hear it again, you'll find it on the podcast for WTMJ's Wisconsin's Midday News, our new show, 11 to 1 with Jessica Ty and Greg Matzik. Go Pack Go. Next, it's the song you need to hear from a smooth-voiced lady who would have celebrated her birthday today. That's next on WTMJ. And now... Feast your ears. This is the song you need to hear. Most blokes going to be playing at 10. These go to 11. Known as the High Priestess of Soul, Nina Simone. She would have turned 91 years old today. She has left us, but she has left us with such a legacy of music. She was a singer, pianist, songwriter, but she was also very impactful as a civil rights activist. We're going to enjoy some of Nina's music. This is her version of the Eddie Cantor jazz standard, My Baby Just Cares For Me. Nina Simone, the song you need to hear on What's On Tap. My baby don't care for shows my baby don't care for clothes My baby 
activist and the high priestess of soul would have turned 91 today. It's a song you need to hear on What's On Tap. I'm Sandy Max. I'll meet you back here tomorrow night at 6. Stay tuned for the WTMJ News next.